Hey there, it's Larry. Uh, before we get started, this episode is about stem cell therapy. There is no stem cell therapy approved by any government as it relates to Parkinson's disease. Parkinson Canada, Parkinson UK, Parkinson's Foundation, the Cure Parkinson's Trust, the Michael J. Fox Foundation, and other leading Parkinson's organizations around the world all believe stem cell research holds promise and potential for Parkinson's disease. But, to reiterate, there are currently no approved stem cell therapies for Parkinson's disease. Hold on to your money. Now on with the show. Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. I have Parkinson's disease. This is when life gives you Parkinson's. Joining me on this podcast journey is reporter and producer Nikki Reitmeyer. Nikki, we, we can agree, can't we? We would do almost anything to help someone we love deal with their Parkinson's no matter the cost. Well, yeah. Well, hold on. Uh, when you say almost anything, what specifically do you mean? Well, I mean, well, for starters, as it relates to Parkinson's, I mean, there's people getting invasive brain surgery for relief. Uh, I'd do that. Uh, personally, I've tried quite a few things that some people would call fringe to find relief because, well, why the hell not? Uh, what have I got to lose at this yeah. point? Uh, like, for me, acupuncture and cupping, despite it being around for millennia, was new to me. So it was kind of a, you know, was a, I was nervous. Um, but I love it. It provides nerve pain relief for oh, me. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've done massage. Love that. Tried floating. You ever been floating? Uh, didn't like it. No. No. It's not something I do regularly, but it's like, oh, that's kind of a neat experience. Did you enjoy it? I actually did. Oh, did yeah. you find it kind of relieved some after, discomfort? After, well, I haven't gone since I've been diagnosed. I, I went to when I lived in the States, and uh, I uh, just sort of liked vegging out and zoning out and laying there in the water. I just got cold. <laughs> I was just wet and cold in a dark room. Yeah, but I've done energy healing and meditation and aromatherapy, and some people swear by a hyperbolic chamber. If you have access to one, sure. Why not? Uh, <laughs> others find relief from extreme diets. We're all different. Uh, we try things, they work, they don't. Uh, I'm open to a lot of these things, and I like to hold some space and some hope for a miracle. Yeah. But when my spidey senses get tweaked... Ooh, I got to take, like, some precaution. Okay. So, like, sometimes I hear from someone who heard from someone that this one time, oh, me and I forget when or who, but you should look up the benefits of hand-extracting juice from the fingernails of Tibetan goats. <laughs> like, what? Right. I see where you're going with this. Or I can cure you. That's always a red flag, isn't it? When someone says, oh, the cure for Parkinson's is dot, dot, dot. That's like, oop, bing. Spidey senses, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, and believe it or not, stem cell therapy uh, kind of falls into that category. Stem cell therapy. Uh, I know there's a lot of research underway right now around that, isn't there? Well, for sure. And it shows a ton of promise. I'd volunteer for a trial. Uh, I mean, even Michael J. Fox testified before Congress in the early 2000s about it. He, he endorsed candidates across the U.S. who supported stem cell research. As you might know, I care deeply about stem cell research. In Missouri, you can elect Claire McCaskill, who shares my hope for cures. Unfortunately, Senator Jim Talent opposes expanding stem cell research. Senator Talent even wanted to criminalize the science that gives us a chance for hope. They say all politics is local, but it's not always the case. What you do in Missouri matters to millions of Americans, Americans like me. Right. Oh, it's always so good to hear his voice, too, isn't it? Oh, uh, yes. 
And since then, isn't it growing in popularity as well?、Uh, it's not take two aspirins and call me in the morning kind of popular, but now it's more mainstream than ever, isn't it? Well, even Main Street Nikki has its imposters, its swindlers, its slicksters, and charlatans. You know, be it a bottle of potion or a magic pill or stem cells, behind every miracle cure, there's often greed capitalizing on desperation. You know, currently there are no government-approved stem cell treatments for Parkinson's, but it does not stop the stem cell companies, the therapy companies, from trying to fleece you. Now, listen here. This is Dr. Alan Gavick. He was the CEO of a company called Cell Science before joining the stem cell therapy company Livion as their director of education. Another success story that I heard about this month had to do with Parkinson's disease. It was a, a sweet little lady that. Had the typical symptoms of Parkinson's, much to a surprise of all of us. Within just a few weeks, she still has the walker, but she doesn't use it. She just carries it in front of her as she heads down the street. Okay, so he's claiming that not only has this woman gone from needing a walker to no longer requiring the walker, she's now carrying the darn thing in front of her as she walks across the street. Right, and you know, as anybody knows with Parkinson's, like I, I have walking sticks, and some days I really need them, and sometimes I really don't. So, was she just having an on day instead of an off day, or、yeah. you know, is it really the stem cell therapy? You know, I first heard that audio while listening to this great podcast. From Wondery, I'm Laura Beal, and this is Bad Batch. Ah, yes, the Wondery podcast, Bad Batch. It's a six-part investigative podcast series by Laura Beal. On the pod, she confronted Livion CEO John Kolschel Sharon. I've seen videos with. Dr. Gavick, for、mm-hmm. example, talking about how it benefits people with Parkinson's. Are those videos not passive marketing? We have clinics that treat specifically spinal cord injury and Parkinson's and all those diseases in Cancun and in Costa Rica and in Philippines. John told me that while Livion doesn't promote its product as a treatment for Parkinson's in the U.S. If patients here do want to use it, they can go abroad. And we have a program that doctors, if they want to treat any of those patients with our product, can send them outside of the U.S. for treatment. Absolutely, stem cells can treat all those things. And the, the medical research that's been done, has it been done on these cord blood cells specifically, or are you talking、mm-hmm. stem cells in general?、Um, well, I'm talking on cord blood stem cells specifically. So, if you were to go to clinicaltrials.gov and you type in Parkinson's umbilical cord stem cells, there are studies specifically on Parkinson's done with umbilical cord stem cells. I found two studies on that government website: one in China and one in Jordan. They're simply small safety studies, tests to see what the side effects are of the treatment, not whether they work, and they're still ongoing. And then, what, but what about published research where you have results?、Um, I don't know that anybody. I mean, people have publications. I don't believe. I, I, mean, I don't know. There's,、um, yeah, there's a lot of them. So I'm trying to reconcile that with Dr. Gavick's video about Parkinson's. 
disease. If you come down to our center in Cancun, you're going to go through, you're going to go to Galena Hospital and you're going to go through an entire evaluation. We'll bring your medical records from the States, you'll do x-rays, you'll do blood work, we'll do testing day one, we'll assess treatment. We actually will make a personalized treatment for you. So to say that one peer 30 will treat Parkinson's, absolutely not. But to do a, an evaluation on the patient and say, you know, you're a 110-pound female or you're a 300-pound male, it's not the same product. So we custom dose at um, 1 million cells per kilo of body weight based on specific diseases. So we have an entire protocol. If it's Parkinson's, if it's ALS, if it's whatever it is, we literally will do a full medical evaluation. We will dose according to that disease based on research and based on weight, and then we will treat, and then you'll do so follow-up. Are, are there studies out there saying, you know, if you have Parkinson's and then uh, you have, you get X number of stem cells per your body weight, it can help your Parkinson's? The answer is yes, there are studies out there on Parkinson's. There are studies on stem cell treatment for Parkinson's. I've looked them up. It's all early research, and it certainly does not say that you can count on any benefits from having a certain number of cells injected based on body weight. Okay, so hold on a second here. What did we just hear? Basically, there are stem cell companies like that one who are trying to sell a service that the research doesn't support. Correct. Now, they think that they have their own research and, you know, they say, well, there's research being done and there is be it, there is research being done, but it's not telling them what they're saying. Yeah. And this whole thing about it's not approved in the United States, but you can come and get it done in a different country all seems really, really shady to me. Well, yeah. But you know, keep in mind, all the different governments and all the different countries have different health care systems. So it seems like a health care issue. Right. It is. So Jeez. people would get suckered in on it. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's complicated, but it's really fascinating. Oh, yeah. And I, listening to this whole podcast, you know, those clips were from the episode six of the pod. It was the first time that Laura, and she's a, a great journalist, a science journalist, a health journalist. She's won tons of awards. She mentioned Parkinson's. Ah, and so your ears perk up. Whoa, Wait what, a minute. <laughs> and uh, it was personal because her dad died with PD. Oh, no. So I reached out to Laura Beal, and she was just as outraged by these guys as, as we are. Oh, when I saw that video, I was, I was pretty, uh, frankly, I was pretty angry when I saw that, because I knew how people would react to seeing that. Uh, that one I did, I, 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 I was really upset when I saw that, because I thought, yeah, this is what somebody whose who's family member is suffering is going to see this, and this is going to give them false hope. Because um, you're so, you know, you really, I mean, I just, I felt like it was exploiting people's pain, because I know that the one thing I know from having looked at, at the data and having gone through, I mean, you have to understand, my father was, I mean, he was my... You know, he was my dad. He was my best friend. He was my hero. I was super close to my dad. And so, so I was really trying to keep up with the research to see if there was anything that could help them. And so I'm watching this knowing 
what the research is, and, and I was really upset because I knew the frame of mind that you would watch this video and, and, and want to believe that this was true to the point that you would spend, I mean, if somebody told me that I could have saved my, I could have spent my life savings and saved my dad, I would have done it. I would have done it. You know, it really is taking advantage of vulnerable people, people like her who had a family member with Parkinson's and saw a loved one struggle. That's basically their target demographic here. Well, and that's why she kept pressing Colchell Sharon over his claims that stem cells work for Parkinson's. I, I didn't quite get a straight answer about where that video came from. Well, and I thought it was interesting. They're like, well, we don't do it in the United States, but if you want Parkinson's treatments, we can make that arrangement somewhere else. Oh, yes, yes, that's true, too. Like, well, it's not approved here. We don't market it to people here. Yeah, but but you can go, you know, you can go to Mexico and get it. Right. Like, well, if if, if it works or it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if it worked, yeah. it would be here, right? <laughs> Right, uh, right. And I did want to, that's one thing I, you'll notice in, this, in the last episode, like there's one thing I do know, it's the Parkinson's literature, and I was trying to get him, he says it, it works, and I was like, okay, tell me how it works, tell me the studies. But let me guess, let me guess, he couldn't actually tell her how it works or show her the studies, could show he? Show me the studies! <laughs> show me the studies! I can hear Tom Cruise right now saying it over and over. Show me the studies! <laughs> uh, yeah, there are none that show stem yeah. cells treat Parkinson's symptoms, let alone cure it or stop it or halt it or slow progression. Nothing. Nada. Zip. Uh, in fact, there's only one stem cell treatment approved by the FDA in the United States, and it has nothing to do with Parkinson's. There are iterations of the treatment, but, but there's only the only approved FDA treatment uh, using stem cells is for certain uh, blood disorders like, you know, cancers or other blood disorders. And that's the only thing that is FDA approved. Now, there's a lot more in clinical trials. There's certainly some good research, but, but that's the only thing that's FDA approved. Is, uh, is 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 the treatments for certain um, certain blood disorders, which are when the stem cells are administered, kind of like a, a bone marrow transplant. Right. What is the story behind the title Bad Batch? So Bad Batch refers to some stem cells that uh, that patients um, uh, that made their way actually around the country, but they put six patients in Texas in the hospital. And uh, the bad batch is a reference to the fact that there was a bad batch of stem cells. Um, uh, they were ended up being contaminated, although it's a little broader than that because it does refer to, um, to this particular incident, but, but maybe it has implications, um, you know, kind of beyond this one, this one particular this one particular incident, because if you listen to the podcast, you know that um, a lot of people say something like this was bound to happen because there are a lot of people now selling stem cells who who really are not experts in stem cells. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, in St. John's here in Canada, there, last year, a patient had cells from his nose growing on his spine as the result, oh my God. As the result of a stem cell treatment gone terribly wrong. Uh, they were trying to fix something to do with his spine. Doctors, he didn't tell doctors that he'd had stem cell treatments. Uh, and then uh -huh. they later learned that he traveled to Portugal 11 years ago and paid $50,000 for experimental stem cell treatments because, wow. he, because he was so desperate to walk again. 
Yes. And yes. of course, they, and that's the sad yeah. thing. Yes, I mean, that's the sad thing. Yeah, and you, you, your very first sentence of the show notes or the first episode is, "We'll try anything to help our loved ones who are experiencing pain." Yes. And yes. that's and, that's and what that's, they're capitalizing on. Mm-hmm. And I went to one of the sadder parts in reporting the story is I went to. Several of these uh, seminars where they're promoting stem cells, and um, uh, and I sat through them. And if you've ever been to any of them, it's kind of in a um, um, hotel rooms, and and um, you know they may offer you a, a free sandwich or something, and then you get to hear the stem cell uh, pitch. It's kind of like the the vibe I got was kind of like they're trying to that same feeling that you get when someone's trying to sell you a timeshare, you know, act now, sign up today, you'll get a discount. This is great. And, um, and in the one that's in the podcast, I mean, there was, there was nothing that, or hardly anything that came up that, uh, that, that, um, uh, stem cells couldn't cure. It was, there was autism, there were strokes, uh, there were, uh, Lyme disease, um, and three people, three people at the sem- at the seminar, just in the podcast, were in wheelchairs. And so these are these are people who want to be well, and who uh, you know for whom modern medicine has just run out of options. I mean, as you know, eventually in Parkinson's, this is what happened to my dad. You get to a point where you know there's there's nothing really more that can be done. So it sounds clear as day that this is all just a a sales pitch, a scam, something that can really hurt a broad range of vulnerable people. Well, it's not all that. It's these evil people. Right. Like there's a thousand therapists across the world that are trying to sell you this junk. Right. And then there are hundreds of great scientists on the other side that are doing real research that are making strides forward. Okay, so that's an important note, an important distinction then, that the science hasn't been approved yet. What is currently available, you should be very skeptical of, but in the future, there could really be something here. And and, and later in the podcast, we're going to tell you exactly what you need to do if you want to participate in trials or if you want to find out if something's legit. We'll we'll get to that. But I first want to talk to Laura about her dad's Parkinson's. Uh, He was diagnosed in the 1990s when he was in his mid-50s. His his father had Parkinson's disease. My grandfather also had it. So, so, um... It was not unexpected when he started having it, but he had um, he had just a, a little tremors in his uh, fingers, mm-hmm. you know. And he was a little bit weak. He taught um, he taught some college classes, and he was having a little trouble standing up, you know, during the whole for the whole class uh, to uh, to to teach it. But it was uh, it was in his it was in his fingers and his hands, some little tremors uh and he when he was diagnosed but he he was able to uh to to carry on um you know as you well know the medicine works for for a while and uh and he had uh, good good care he was in east texas but there's a parkinson's uh specialist here in dallas that that he would go to and, and he had we still had a lot of really good really good years until the end So in a piece she wrote for her church, Laura captured the essence of her dad. She shared it with me, and she wrote, 
Greg Beal was a theoretical physicist, so he spent a lifetime trying to understand atomic particles so small they can only be detected by the way they move the space around them. He spent hours in his study occupying the same threadbare corner of the sofa, communing with equations and stacks of books. Sometimes I would see him flipping through a three-ring binder, every page tracking the moves of an ongoing chess game with a distant partner. He was a master chess player. Before the internet, if you wanted to play people you didn't know, it was play by mail, by postcards. So we had a binder of different, you know, chess games going. And you would, it was an excruciatingly slow way to play because you would write a postcard, you would write a movie, you would send it to this person. And then you would wait, and then you get a postcard back with their move, and you had a little binder of uh, different chess games where he'd mark, like, where all the pieces were. But he was, uh, he was great. My dad was much beloved in my uh, in, in my hometown. He believed a lot in like uh, civic engagement and social justice issues and and he was just a well-rounded, uh, well-loved person who I learned a lot from. Laura remembers him having undying patience and never remembers him getting angry, though when it comes to Parkinson's in the final years of his life, the opposite of those sentiments seem true for Laura. The worst of it is it took him slowly. That's what I wasn't prepared for. Like, you're not prepared to, to see someone slowly decline. I think that was the hardest thing, you know, it's, it's like little by little. I, that, that's, something that, that's something that no one is really prepared to see. And, and you start missing him even though he's still there which is something that's hard to explain. It was almost like we had like 10 or 11 really good years, and then he just sort of, you know, fell off a cliff. And I have to tell you, he actually, he, uh, he passed away in an, in an accident. He, uh, he, he was out in his garden, and he, he fell, uh, and he suffered a head injury. And so that's ultimately how he passed away, but... But there was part of me that was, I mean, over, after the shock of it, that was actually grateful that he went very quickly. What do you say to people who say, well, you got Parkinson's, at least you're not going to die from it? <laughs> yes. No, you, you will. I mean, you can. You're not necessarily, but anyone who says that is, is someone who has not seen the disease up close. Wow, it's so heartbreaking to hear that and to watch him slowly digress. It's painful. It's really painful what you hear her say. Yeah, and, and familiar because like even this early in in my Parkinson's, I sense progression. I like there's things are slipping. Does it scare you at all to see yourself in her father? Oh, yeah. And and everybody that I meet that has been living with this disease for, for longer than I have, um, I get inspiration and hope. And, and you know, you, you, you can't not compare, even though everybody's journey is different. But you only tend to compare yourself with the people that are doing bad, not the people that are doing good. I don't know why that is. <laughs> okay, there's a concept in psychology that's called downward social comparison or upward social comparison. And we, living in the West, live in what is called an individualistic society. And we tend to do downward social comparisons to make us feel better about ourselves. So maybe you see someone else who has progressed in the disease further along than you have. And then you look at them and you think... 
okay, well, at least I'm not as bad as that person is. And studies show that we actually get a boost from that. We get a self-esteem boost. We feel a little bit better. But geez, you hear stories like this and I don't know if it makes anyone else feel no, better. It doesn't. You know, and it's it, it's personal for everybody, but you know, Bad Batch, the podcast oh. was especially personal to to Laura. You can tell it was especially personal for her. Mm-hmm. I do understand this kind of pain and frustration that people go to when they just desperately want a cure and how vulnerable they are and how how much of a capacity that you have to um um, as as one of the experts I talked to, you know, you have a capacity to suspend disbelief when you when you're hearing a story that you just want to be true. If these stem cell companies are making these claims that we know are not proven to be true, aren't they? Aren't they breaking a law? Yes, ish, <laughs> <laughs> ish. Okay. Yeah, Laura tried to get answers on that front. So the FDA uh, would not talk to me uh, for this, and I really wanted to talk to Peter Marks, who's the head of the FDA's Division of Biologics, which is the division that oversees all of this, and uh, and they wouldn't talk, but I, I did discover that he was speaking at a meeting of health journalists, and it was a meeting that I was already going to, so I was hoping to talk to him then, but they still wouldn't let me. So So what I did was use... Uh, the question and answer period after his talk to try to get answers to some of my questions. This is absolutely brilliant what she's done. She had questions that needed to be answered and she found a way to make sure those questions were at least going to be asked. Right. What was great is, you know, she was only allowed to ask one question at the at the Q&A. So she, you know, all of her friends came through and asked her questions for her. And you hear that on her podcast, The, the Bad Batch. And it, it's great. I mean, what a great journalistic moment. Like, if you're not going to talk to us one-on-one, then we're just going to use the open forum. One thing I don't understand is how a company can take cells from another person, from a cord blood or placenta, manufacture some kind of product, and inject that into another person for a medical purpose and have that not count as an unapproved drug. Can you tell me, Dr. Marks, why those are being allowed and proliferating? It's not that they're being allowed. It's that what we're playing now is a game of whack-a-mole. You characterize it perfectly. I can't, I can't disagree with you. And we continue to try to take action. Well, what happened? Because the FDA obviously now knows, since the podcast has been released, about this company. Yeah, so about uh, a month after the podcast was released, uh, the FDA did take some action against uh, these companies. Oh, wow. uh, Especially Livion, which is focused on the company. And it's the power of the podcast, Nikki. I'm proud of the story that we told. I'm, I'm proud. It was difficult. It was a difficult story to tell because... I've heard from so many people who were about to spend so much money on this or their parents were about to spend so much money on this and they heard the podcast and they went back to do more research on it. And that is extremely gratifying to me. And I'm a medical journalist and I didn't want people to come out of this and think, well, stem cells, it's all just a big scam and, you know, because it's not. And I think... Just how to tell a story that it's, it is, as I said at the end, it is like a story of promise. But at the same time, it also has like this, this 
side to it where people are being taken advantage of. And I think that's a hard story to balance because you don't want people to lose hope, but you don't want them to spend their life savings on false hope either. And like how to balance that was, was, was rather difficult. So Nikki, all of us should hold out hope. The Michael J. Fox Foundation and the International Society for Stem Cell Research, they're both big advocates in this area, working hard to maintain credibility, visibility, and integrity of stem cell therapy. I asked Brian Fisk, uh, Senior Vice President of Research Programs at the Michael J. Fox Foundation, to just help us imagine what a potential stem cell therapy for Parkinson's might look like. The way people think about stem cells in probably the classical sense is that stem cells are these cells that can be turned into other types of cells. And so for Parkinson's, the idea is that you could uh, turn a stem cell into a dopamine cell, a dopamine brain cell that can produce dopamine. You can then take that cell and actually transplant it into person, and that, that cell will then be producing dopamine in the brain and essentially act as a replacement for the lost dopamine cells that, that someone with Parkinson's disease has lost over, over time because of the disease. It sounds like science fiction, but it's really science nonfiction. Uh, it really is, yeah. We, we know we can do this in the lab, and there's scientists out there who for many years now have been um, coming up with recipes basically to turn different types of cells into stem cells and then ultimately into dopamine cells or other types of cells depending on the disease. So again, it's from that perspective, the science is certainly very real and it's very powerful. Um, now, turning that into an actual treatment for a disease like Parkinson's, a brain disease like Parkinson's, obviously is the sort of the big challenge we're faced with today because that involves a lot of other aspects of how do you get it into the brain and get into the right spot and making sure the cells survive and, and connect to the right other cells in the brain and don't grow into cells that you don't want in the brain, things like that. So that's kind of been really where a lot of the challenge has been to date. Do you have an idea of how many different trials are underway for stem cell treatment of Parkinson's? So there are a handful that are at least registered trials out there. And again, getting back to the different flavors of, of the types of trials, there are a couple that are um, specifically looking to uh, use stem cells to make replacement dopamine cells. Um, there is a, another company, I think it's doing a trial in Australia with a version of a, of a sort of a stem cell approach that they're, they're, they're exploring as well. So there are really only a couple of um, groups out there that are doing the more traditional, again, stem cell replacement approach. Um, now, there are other groups that are using stem cells therapeutically in a slightly different way um, where they are injecting cells or stem cells into the body with the hope that they might be producing protective factors or they might have impact on inflammation or things like that that you know scientists think could potentially be protective of of your existing brain cells. So protection yeah. is is one aspect of of or intent or possible outcome of stem cells. Can we cure Parkinson's with stem cells or is that just too too out of reach? With the technology today, uh, it would be hard to say we could cure the disease. Uh, again, I think even with the approaches that are trying to replace um, dopamine cells in the brain, in essence, what they're providing is essentially just another source of dopamine in the brain in the context of these 
of these stem cell transplants. Um, it's not quite the same thing to say that we've regrown the damaged part of the brain and completely repaired it. I think that's a much harder thing to do. But there is the idea, and it's a, you know, this is a bit more science fiction as, as of now, is could you go into the brain and, and using various factors trick the brain into kind of repairing itself, maybe using its own internal stem cells to generate new cells and kind of repair the tissues that have been damaged or lost in, in diseases like Parkinson's. Uh, for that, we need to know a, uh, quite a bit more about just the basic biology of how stem cells work in the body and how they turn into other cells and, and then figure out how you would actually go into the you know, brain and actually make that happen. But, but that's something that scientists have been working on for, you know, for a number of years and thinking about, you know, could we actually um, have the brain you know, or the body self-repair itself in, in, in some fashion? We've and seen that it in might the movies. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, we've seen a lot of things in the movie, movies, unfortunately, <laughs> which which is great because it gives you hope, but also sometimes gives you a, a, a you know misperceptions about what we're actually capable of. Um, but you know that would be something, obviously, if you wanted to think about ultimate cures for for a disease like Parkinson's, if you could just simply repair the parts of the brain that have been damaged, that would be you know a, a game changer for for people. Later this year, 2020. The first human trials of stem cell therapy for Parkinson's disease will commence in New York. Dr. Lorenz Stutter is founder and director of the Center for Stem Cell Biology at Memorial Sloan Kettering. He's been working on this project since 1998. That's when he successfully manipulated animal cells, turned them into dopamine cells, successfully transplanted the cells into a brain, and observed improvement of the clinical symptoms of Parkinson's disease in rat models. In 2011, he discovered the same recipe for human cells. Now, nearly 10 years later, the trials begin in earnest. Exciting journey, but obviously a, a lengthy journey. And it has to be lengthy, you know, because you want to make sure that this is eventually going to be safe and hopefully, hopefully it's also going to be helpful. Just how invasive is the treatment? Yes, yeah, so it is brain surgery. So it's, you need to put the cells into the brain. You cannot just put them into the bloodstream and they go in or something like that. So you have to put them into the brain. But the brain surgery is relatively simple. It turns out I'm married to a brain surgeon, so I can say that. <laughs> no. so, so, but it's, it's basically uh, you make like a bird hole, and then you have very three kind of tracts of very, very thin tracts that you go in about a millimeter in size where you then deposit those cells within the region where the dopamine is lost. Again, for, a, for an average neurosurgeon, it's not technically a very challenging therapy, and the patient should be able to go home in the future, probably same day. Initially, probably want to keep them at least overnight to make sure that everything is, is fine. But it's not like a huge invasive procedure, so you should very quickly be able to go back home and do whatever, whatever you want to do, or go back to work and so forth. How do you perceive folks with Parkinson's like me will benefit from this? What we really hope to achieve is those cells, is that at least for those symptoms, the movement-related symptoms, that if, if this really works, we should not only be able to kind of stop the symptoms from getting worse, but we should actually get function back. We have to be careful. Now, I, always, I don't really call, even in the best case, it's not going to be a cure. Many people tell me, oh, we are, there are already stem cells there. I can go to Mexico or I can go to China and get them for $50,000. But that's something completely different, and it's very important for people to understand because those were actually fat cells that they take out of the body and then re-inject, and they claim that they're going to cure the disease. Sometimes it's difficult for them to distinguish you know, what's really 
very carefully crafted science over multiple continents, many years, versus people who just try to make a quick a quick buck. All right. So you put a million dopamine cells back into the substantia Niagara, and then what happens? The cells, once they're in, now they, they are alive. They're actually producing dopamine, and they bring it to the right place. And, and So it's really a unique system. But they actually, when they get into the brain first, they need to become more and more mature. So they're a little bit like baby cells at the beginning, and then they get older and older, and they get better and better at producing what's needed in the patient's brain. Uh, how long do you think it would be if everything went right that it would be available to the public? Phase one takes about two years. Phase two takes about two years. I would estimate at least about four years now before this could be more widely available, four to five years. That would be kind of my guess. Exercise. Take your levodopa. <laughs> and let's wait for these studies to come through or volunteer for the next stem cell trial that's near you. Go to michaeljfox.org uh, and sign up for the Fox Trial Finder or go to isscr.org and learn more about uh, other trials that are underway that they may be recruiting for. Each week, Larry and his wife, Rebecca, talk about what they've learned from the episode. I appreciated when you we're speaking about keeping an open mind while also being cautious. I don't want us to lose that our open minds because there are some people out there taking advantage. I don't want to lose the open mind to what could be. Right. Because some science is considered hocus pocus until it's science, until well, it's proven because somebody believed in it. Who who would have thought that you could actually prove that you can smell that some people can smell Parkinson's? And that's what's confusing because we're vulnerable. We're a vulnerable population, oftentimes desperate, looking for answers. And if somebody says, "Hey, I've got an answer," uh, if they seem reasonable enough, you'll put your money there because you want answers. And just be cautious, right? And listen to your own intuition and body about what you want to try and what may work for you. Right. For some people, things that are very fringe, like energetic medicine or aromatherapy, or things that some people consider are not proven science or proven treatments or any of, of anything. Some people have responded very well to these things, supplements that get sold and whether, I mean, obviously somebody's responding to it. It doesn't mean that it's proven or that it's scientific or that, but it, but there's a response and a treatment that's happening. And it, perhaps it's inappropriate for us to say, well, that's not working and that's not appropriate because it, it hasn't been studied and approved by the FDA. Well, uh, I was talking to a guy the other night who, has a friend who's a quadriplegic who went to another country to get stem cell therapy and he's beginning to move his feet. Right. So it's not necessarily that it doesn't work. It may not work for everyone. And if people are taking advantage of other people, then that's when the skepticism should come into play there. Yes. I love the idea of stem cell therapy. The treatment for any disease is ideally something that teaches your body or encourages your body or gives your body what it needs to heal itself. Well, that's how they went about healing your cancer is you gave yourself your own bone marrow that had been cleaned. Yeah, back then it, was, it wasn't stem cell transplant. It was a bone marrow transplant. So they harvested the bone marrow, treated it, gave me so much chemo and, and everything that it wiped out my immune system and I grew back my immune system. And because of that, I've been cancer-free since that day. 
Which is amazing. Right? So, and it's because my body was able to heal itself. Not everybody can do an autologous bone marrow transplant or stem cell transplant. Um, that's ideal because it's your own cells healing themselves. Well, you know, now they can take a skin cell and reprogram it into a stem cell and then reprogram that into a dopamine cell and then implant that into your brain. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. It angers me that people are taking advantage and ultimately will slow the process of real research development because they're making promises and charging enormous amounts of money and taking advantage of people. That being said, what's being done with the stem cells and encouraging people to continue to use them and have hope in them is great. I love you. I love you, too. Next time on When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Tom Isaacs in 2002 decided to walk around the coastline of Britain. And two days after he started walking, a really good friend of his picked up the phone and said, Tom, it's all right. You can stop walking. They've cured it. What was the best thing about GDNF? It's like having a life without Parkinson's. I got my life back. My tremor still hasn't come back. 100% of the participants showed improved brain cell sprouting. Pfizer pulled the, the plug on phase three. Just how frustrating it must be. It comes to an end because of a, the end of a trial. If it looks perfect, what kind of financial investment are you willing to make? You called it massive. What does that mean? Yeah, well, massive for us. For there to be a game changer, Parkinson's needs to be a global health priority. They were offered no counseling before, during, or after. Uh, They were not really communicated with and they felt discarded. Is that on your radar and, and how are we addressing that moving forward? This is When Life Gives You Parkinson's, a Curious Cast podcast written and produced by me, Larry Gifford, and Nikki Reitmeyer. Rebecca Gifford is my wife and partner in Parkinson's. Our story editor is Dila Velazquez, and our sound design by Rob Johnson. We also want to hear from you. You can record a voice message for us at speakpipe.com slash when life gives you Parkinson's. Our presenting sponsor is Parkinson Canada, parkinson.ca. One of the programs that Parkinson Canada offers is a confidential information and referral line. And so if you have any questions at all, don't hesitate to reach out to info at parkinson.ca or call toll-free 1-800-565-3000. Parkinson Canada colleagues are there for you. They're great listeners and can answer questions on a huge range of topics. If you are interested in hearing more about the science of Parkinson's, check out How Did I Get Parkinson's from February 4th, 2020, or The Search for a Cure Starts with Fundraising from December 18th, 2018, where we dive into the genetics of Parkinson's. And special thanks to our promotional partners, Spotlight YOPD, the only organization in the world with the singular focus of raising awareness for young onset Parkinson's disease. And you can find them at spotlightyopd.org. And in the U.S., Parkinson's IQ Plus U, this is a free series of Parkinson's events from the Michael J. Fox Foundation to educate and empower people with Parkinson's and their partners. Go to michaeljfox.org slash PDIQ. Thank you to our guests, Laura Beal, host of Bad Batch, and the whole team at Wondery. Brian Fisk, Senior VP of Research Programs at the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Lorenz Studer, founder and director of the Center for Stem Cell Biology at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. 
Interested in learning more about Parkinson's and connecting with the community? I encourage you to save the date for the 6th World Parkinson Congress, also known as WPC 2022, June 7th to 10th in Barcelona, Spain, 2022. It's the only totally inclusive scientific conference that opens its doors to people with Parkinson's and their families. I'm going to be there. You should come join me. Learn more at www.wpc2022.org. And of course, thank you for listening. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, please give the show a five-star rating and please share in the comments why you recommend listening to the podcast. You can also engage with us on social media. It's at Parkinson's Pod on Facebook. We've got a group there too, Nikki. It's growing. It's big. <laughs> the uh, community's growing. Yay! Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram, again, at Parkinson's Pod, or email us, Pod at CuriousCast.ca. Keep positive. Keep exercising. And keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.